Previously on Paranormal Almanac. We went to the fucking moon. Oh, and I'm not even gonna, I'm not even done with this dumb episode. An episode, again, that was gonna be about cryptids, a fun episode, but no, now I gotta explain basic science to someone that can't even Google correctly. And now, the conclusion to this episode. Welcome to Paranormal Almanac. With your host, Kurt Sandvig. That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's talk about the Albatwitch. Yeah, I said Albatwitch, but first, as always, we have shout-outs. Shout-outs going out to the patrons. I gotta say, patrons, I owe you an episode, I know it, and I'm working on it. I am working on it diligently this weekend. I am so sorry, I know I owe you an, an extra bonus patron episode. But we have shout-outs going out to Anne, Stephen, Jane Ann, Jennifer, Heather, Zuzus, What's It, Paula, Rick, Nico Share, and the Mouse, Andrew M, Paul, Tortuga, Hannah Boo, Mike from Jersey, Tuesday, Maine, Jay Bizzle, Andy, Tracy, special shout out to Tracy, hey, howdy, hi, Virginia Mailman, Tony, Jason, Vicky, Crow, Clay, Buzz Lee, Tom Proletariat, Lobito Works, Glacier, Maine, Isabel, Jen, Jen, Stacy, Amber, Tracy, Sandy, Menace the Beast, Kick-Ass Magic Robot, Kick-Ass Magic Robot Webcomic, Sandy, Paige, Cow, Sean, Andrew, Scott, Andrea, Devin, Melody, Vicky, Vanessa, Marisol, Liam, Alicia, Becca, Jake, and the Beasties, Elizabeth, Voidtech, Sherry, Art Muffin, Trudy, Tim, Kenneth, Ricardo, Ian, Alexandra, George, Seth, Zozo the Demon, Hayden, Cindy, Ashley, Carrie, Robin, Will, Lauren, Russell, April, Isabel, Audra, Dorian, Cindy, Bob, Stacy, Jerry, Scoston, Lindsay, Megan, Jeff T, Harley, Suzanne, Joe, Joe Wong, Lawrence, the Lawrence Strawn. Hey, howdy, hi, Veronica. I lost my step for a second there. I'm back. Autumn, J. Mark Manning, Carolyn, Martin, Jaden, and Ashy Chuck, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson, Dan, Laura Pitts, and Gamer Fan. With two special shout outs, as always, to Joe Teague and a Stitch. All right, let's cruise right through this. Uh, for merch, go to tpublic.com slash stores slash paranormal dash almanac. There are brand new styles up now. Um, Next, I'm going to take a quick second. I got to thank. I just want to thank the amazing GoFundMe that Paramaniac Tracy is doing right now for buying to get Kurt a piece of Fen's treasure. It is absolutely incredible. It's the most heartwarming thing I've ever seen. Um, she said, you know, like, hey, you know, I think we should get you a piece of Fen's treasure. And I said, well, I would love to, but I, it's outside of my budget. I can't be spending $150 or whatever it costs, $200, $300, $400, whatever it costs for a piece of Fen's treasure, as much as I really, really would like it. Because like I, like I said, I think in the last episode, I was really bummed that I never got a chance to get out there and hunt for Fen's treasure because it's an incredible story. <clears throat> it's an incredible story. It's just an absolutely amazing thing to be a, for a man to be like, you know what, I'm going to put a treasure out there for people just to get them out and about into the, in you know, into the great outdoors and the treasure was real. A lot of people didn't think it was real. I always thought it was real. I really did. I never, I don't think I ever once was like, nah, I don't think this is, I don't think it's a real treasure. It's sad that people died looking for it when they didn't have to. It was, he made it very clear that, you know, it's not something that's treacherous. It's going to be right there. You'll be able to find it. And sure enough, someone found it. And I guess what you do when you find treasure is you got to, uh, Sell the treasure so you can get the money, and that's what this guy's doing. And it's a, it's an auction that you guys can go to. Um, if you actually just search Fen's Treasure Auction, you'll find it. Like Google search it, you'll find it. But I was saying how amazing it would be to have just a piece of Fen's Treasure, this amazing, you know, just a part of this of history, really, and just have it, you know, behind me in uh, when I do the live shows. And like I said, Param Paramaniac Tracy, Tracy uh, Simonic, uh 
stepped up big time. You know, it's the most wonderful gesture ever. Um, I can't thank the Paramaniacs enough because people are actually, you know, putting money into it. So I don't have the link. Um, I guess if you find, if you can, oh, it's on the Paramaniac, uh, uh, Paranormal Almanac fan page on on Facebook. But, or I suppose you could just go fund me, search, you know, Paranormal Almanac, Fens Treasure or something like that. But again, I cannot thank everyone enough. In fact, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to take it as an amazing birthday gift because the, uh, the GoFundMe was started right around the same time as my birthday. That's the biggest hint I'm going to give you to my birthday. But uh, thank you. Thank you to everybody. I cannot thank you guys enough. I think it's the sweetest gesture in the world. And, uh, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. All right, with that, I guess if you want to, um, if you want to donate, I, I can't thank you enough for it. Uh, don't feel like you have to. But if you would like to donate, you can, like I say, find that GoFundMe. It's on the Paranormal Almanac fan page. And, again, thank you so much. All right, let's get right on into. Paranormal News. Paranormal News. All right, the first one in paranormal news. I got to thank everybody that sent this to me, including Andrew. I saw you send it as well. Um, I love that people are sending me this story because as the first para-influencer in the world, part of my job is to tell you about um, cryptid sightings. And one of my favorite cryptid sightings ever, the Loch Ness Monster, not a monster, Nessie herself has been spotted again. That's right, November 24th, 2022. A Nessie hunter claims he has proven the existence of the mythical creature after spotting a 10-foot-long black shape with a curved hump, long snout, and tail in Loch Ness. It's the same guy, Ian O'Hadigan, spotted him again via webcam. I love this guy. I gotta find this guy. I keep saying I gotta find this guy, and then I forget to search for him. So hold on a second. Let's see if we can find him in real time on Facebook. Because if we can... Oh, Ian... I'm going to beg you to come on my show. I want to talk to you, buddy. Um, Happy Thanksgiving to everyone in the U.S. and try not to eat too much. Ian Ophedigan believes he has proven the existence of Monster Nessie, or did he? That's right. There's a bunch of talks about him, but I want to talk to him, not about him. Oh, come on, Ian. Ian, where are you, Ian? All right. I guess I'll have to do this after the show, but I'm going to find you, Ian. I'm going to have you on the show anytime any place, well, not any place, Paranormal Almanac is the place, but anytime. So Ian described the site looked um, similar to scenes from 2007 film The Water Horse. He said, I noticed a splash and a movement on the screen coming into view on the right and a long black shape, and I immediately started a screen recording of this object. I got excited because it remained on the surface of the water, moving very slowly, unlike a large fish, which leap out of water but then submerge. This object was no fish, no log for that matter, is moving in a controlled speed, slow, unlike a log, which would be moving with the current. I believe it's a live creature. This latest sighting lasted around 10 minutes, captured at Shoreland's Lodge, which I think he's done it before, and Mr. O'Fagging from County Donegal, Ireland. Donegal, Ireland, I'm getting closer to you. Now I know where you live, what county you live in. Ooh, I bet you any money. You know what, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try and like send a letter to Mr. Ian O'Fagging. County Donegal, Ireland, and just see if, you know, see if I can get lucky. And get if I can't find it, obviously, if I can't find, like, any kind of web presence, I'm going to try that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I got to talk to this guy. This guy's quickly becoming my favorite Nessie person. All righty, let's see. Even though they they aren't really saying that they're going to count them, which I think is ridiculous because it was seen on a webcam. But uh, let's check out. Let's take a look at this. Uh, all right. Where is it? Oh, yeah, there is something there. See, here's my problem is that if I was, oh, no, no, it looks more and more like something's there. I was going to say, here's my problem. What, are you going to zoom in? What are you doing? Oh, okay, I guess he's zooming in. Here's my problem is that if I was watching it, I would go, is that? Nah, it can't be. I mean, it isn't going with the rest of the waves. It does look like something. Oh, nah, it definitely looks like something there now that he's zoomed in. See? I got to start watching this webcam like 
24-7. I got to beat Ian at his own game. I got to find Nessie and prove that she exists. All righty, up next in paranormal news. Is Bigfoot real? Sasquatch sightings rumored in upstate New York? This one's actually from a couple of weeks ago, but I had to add it because I really liked it. It's from uh, Mayville, New York, in the Syracuse.com news site, whatever. Resident Peter Weimer, Weimer, no Weimer, Peter Weimer told WGRZ that he's heard from 45 eyewitnesses who claim to seen the Sasquatch in the area around uh, Chautauqua Lake. Sure, I know I got that wrong. Located 60 miles south of Buffalo. There's a hundred or more witnesses in the county that aren't talking to me, he said. Well, how do you know that? Um, oh, I guess I guess I, I get what he's saying. You know, for every one person that will talk about Bigfoot, the other ones are going to be like, I'm not going to talk about Bigfoot. I don't want to seem crazy. According to WGRZ, this county is packed with dense forests and deep gorges where a large animal could live but rarely be seen, like the black bear. Weimer, who sponsors the annual Chautauqua Lake Bigfoot Expo, Event for believers and fans say footprints seen in the nearby Asheville, New York, are further evidence that Sasquatch is still out there. Hold on, I want to click on that because I want to go back to that Bigfoot Expo. Whitehall, which is located in Washington County, north of Albany, Albany, I said Albany, I didn't say Albany, also has a large number of Sasquatch sightings that led to it being dubbed the Bigfoot capital of the East Coast. In 1976, multiple eyewitnesses, including local police and a New York State trooper, said they saw a man-like beast standing over seven and eight foot tall, covered with hair, similar to the famous 1967 Patterson-Gimlin uh, photos. It says footage, but I think they mean photos. A blurry photo from the Whitehall Trail Cam in 2010 is among hundreds of reported Bigfoot sightings around the state. Whitehall has its own Bigfoot event, the Sasquatch Calling Festival, which is wow, another thing I got to click on, with a competition for the best Bigfoot calls to attract the elusive animal. But Bigfoot has been reportedly sighted many other places, including in Washington State. I want to go back to that. I want to continue with this. All right, so we got the Chautauqua Lake Bigfoot Expo. I got to click like on that. It's on Facebook. It's got a bunch of, wow, it's got a bunch of stuff on here. All right, this looks cool. I'll have to, I'll have to delve into that. Oh, wait, hold on. All right, this, this looks cool. I got to look into that. And then there's also the New York Bigfoot Sightings map. It's a Google map. And it shows all of the sightings from 2014 through current. Through current? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, 232 more. Oh, wow, it goes way back before that. There's some from the 60s, the 50s, the early 2000s. Yeah, basically from the beginning of sightings. It's, it's all the sightings in that area. And there are a lot of them. This is kind of cool. What happens if I click on one? September 1996, night sighting by motorist. May 2016, hunters report hearing multiple loud wood knocks while hunting turkeys. Five years later, one hunter went back to the location and ran across what is known as a tree structure where he had previously heard the tree knocks. What's this one? August 1st, 1973, old sighting and recent vocalizations near the town in 2005 as well. October 22nd, 2001, close female Sasquatch sighting, very close to the road. Wow, these are actually, this is actually really cool. It's all upstate New York, basically. Actually, wait, there's some in Long Island? Albert Abernathy residence. Oh, yeah, destroyed in 1934 by a gorilla man. Yes, I do know about that one. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's this cool Google map. I'll have to, first of all, I'm going to bookmark it so I don't lose it. But I'm going to add it to the... Uh, the Facebook fan page as well. So you guys can actually take a look at it and uh, I don't know, read about a whole lot of Bigfoot in upstate New York. If you're in upstate New York, it seems to be the place to be. All righty. That's been added to the Facebook fan page up next in paranormal news. This one kind of bums me out. This one's from the wall street journal. Hopefully it stays up this time. The UFO bubble goes pop. Watch the skies? No, watch our intelligence agencies and their penchant for disinformation. All righty, let's see. Play. With the S&P... Nope, I'm not going to give you... An Hold on, let me turn that down. I'm not going to give them free advertising. Call it a build-up to a letdown as the latest of the required intelligence reports to the Congress on the UFO question undergoes a prolonged and likely angst-filled vetting before being delivered to the revelant relevant communities that can't be explained as having been human made or natural 
the example that that I would say that, we, that is still unresolved, uh, that I think everyone understands quite well as the 2004 uh, incident from, from Nimitz. Uh, we have data on that, uh, and it simply remains unresolved. The first congressional hearing Whoa, on U.S. That, got a, that voice got different real quick. It's eight minutes long. Basically, I'll just read it to you it's very quickly. Uh, a month has passed since leaked contents were detailed in the New York Times, and still the, de- the document has not appeared, and it's not hard to guess why. Its findings will surprisingly be... One, to uh, official disinformation or so-called UAPs, of so-called UAPs. Basically what they're saying is there's a lot of stuff that was supposed to be released. It hasn't been released. The reason is because it is being vetted to say, is this something that we can tell the, the world or is this classified information? Are these actually Chinese surveillance drones or conventional drones or what are they? So basically, that's about all you need from that article. But basically what it's saying is, are we ever going to get the information that they said we're going to get? Because, yeah, sure, they keep saying, yep, we released it. But we didn't release it to the public because it might have classified information in there. And that's what kind of bums me out. All right, up next comes from um, UFO Sightings Daily. So guess what it's about? It's about a UFO that was sighted daily. A UFO during a storm, August twenty. Uh, 2022 in Festus, Missouri. The uh, the sighting is um, a storm spotter caught something odd on video. During a lightning storm, a huge sphere with six spikes on its outer shell was seen. The object was huge and seemed to stop for a few seconds and then zoom out and off back into the clouds. An eyewitness said, I'm a storm spotter. I almost said stormtrooper. I'm a storm spotter with the National Weather Service and accustomed to seeing things in the sky. During the off-season, I like to shoot slow-motion video of lightning whenever storms pass through. That's what I was doing at the time. Since lightning is unpredictable, I hit record, let it run for a few minutes, then stop. I'll do this the length of the storm, then review the recordings when I'm finished. Upon review, I realized that I had captured something on video that I cannot explain. This particular video, I'd hit record and realized I was in a standard video mode and not slow-mo, so I stopped it within a few seconds, switched to slow-mo, and went on. As such, the video is very short. I've asked my peers in meteorology what they think it is, and no one has an answer. That is what brought me here. I'm at a loss for an explanation. The first video is the original, and the second is brightened up to see the object more clearly. Alrighty, let's watch it. 25 seconds long. That was a lightning burst. Still see lightning. Oh, okay, there's something. Oh, well, hold on. I gotta rewind this again. So there's a lightning burst, another lightning burst. There's a thing. To me, and look, this is just me. I'll throw it on the Facebook page as well. Me personally, it looks like somebody with a um, like a spotlight or something shining it up into the sky and kind of moving it around. It looks to me like you just saw a spotlight in a very rain-soaked, dense, like you know, it like um. Like a saturated atmosphere. There's there's a lot of water vapor. Oh, hold on one second. Okay, back. Um, so, yeah, like what I was saying was, you know, like it's a, if there's like a lot of condensation in the sky or, you know, if it's foggy out and you turn on a, a, really, a really bright flashlight or spotlight or whatever, you're going to kind of see, kind of see what's on that video. But I'll throw it up on the, uh, the Facebook fan page as well and uh, see what you guys think. Alrighty, up next in paranormal news, not exactly paranormal, but you know I love talking about it whenever I can. How the Amelia Earhart mystery may inform microplastics research. It's a terrible title. Don't worry, I'm only going to read part of this to you. So, they have that aluminum panel, which was found on Nikamaruru, which they think was a patch panel probably for the back window or a patch panel for the side of the plane that Amelia Earhart and Fred Noonan was flying. Anybody in the know knows that... um, they died on Nikamaruru. Technically hasn't been proven yet, but it's pretty much been proven. Uh, and they were probably, you know, eaten by coconut crabs, really. I mean, it's a really bizarre story, but it's it's out there. You can read about it. But anyhow, there's an aluminum panel that was found. And it was found in like 1991 or something like that. Um, yeah, the panel was found in 1991 by Tiger, T-I-G-H-A-R. And... Uh, they didn't have any information on it, but they think it might be because of the rivet patterns and everything. It might be aviation related. They thought it was a good fit. They thought, you know, it's fairly possible that uh, this was part of Amelia Earhart's plane. Well, 
uh, Richard Rick Gillespie, uh, who found it, who found the panel in 1991 and leads the International Group for Historic Air, Aircraft Recovery, says that there's a guy named Daniel Beck, who is an engineer program manager in Penn State's Radiation Science and Engineering Center, who is watching the 2019 National Geographic documentary about Expedition Amelia, and he thought, you know what? We can use the Penn State Brazil Brazil reactor, and they might be able to determine if there's anything hidden on the panel. So they did. They basically blast the panel with neutrons. It shows things that people that's not you know visible to the naked eye. And after they did, on the panel, they found a lot of characters. They found uh, XRO. They found 3D, D24, 335, or 385. So there's there's markings on this panel, and they're hoping beyond hope that they're going to be able to find. Are these manufacturer's marks? Are these something aviation? Is it something that we can definitely tie to Amelia Earhart's plane? And that's what they're working on now. Um, I'm going to ignore the whole, like, informing microplastics research part of it, but that's the important part. So, fingers crossed, they're going to be able to prove or disprove. I'll go either way. Prove or disprove that this panel was part of Amelia Earhart's plane. All righty, up next in paranormal news. It pops up. Come on. There we go. Annoyed Scott raising 250,000 pounds to send Flat Earther into space to prove the world is round. Hopefully it's a one-way trip. Mark Gold has been driven crazy by his mate's conspiracy theories. He says that uh, he's so fed up about his mate's nonsense telling him that the world is flat that he's launched a campaign to raise 250,000 pounds to send a Flat Earther into the atmosphere. Atmosphere? to look at the globe for themselves. The 37-year-old oil worker from Aberdeen looked up the cost of the seat on a Virgin Galactic flight and said he was 100% serious about sending a doubter into space to prove the Earth is round. Now, there's this main flat earther guy. I'm not going to say his name, but if you watch that amazing documentary, Netflix documentary, about like basically debunking flat Earth, the main guy from that documentary, he wants to go up into space. And you know what? Fuck that guy. Why should he get to go up and enjoy space and see the very round world just because he's an asshat who wants to say, like, eh, the world's flat, eh, and ignore all of the science? If he does want to do it, then, yeah, it's a one-way fucking trip. You get to go up there. We'll give you enough oxygen and food to last you for a couple of weeks and then, you know, float off into space. That's the end of you. Because, frankly, that's dumb that he's going to get to be, he gets to experience something that all of us want to experience, which is seeing the Earth from space, going up into space. But he wants to do it because he's a flatter. Fuck that guy. Anyhow, this guy says, sorry, I'm not going to go on, I'm not, I'm not going on another rant. Don't worry, this is not a rant-filled episode. He said, I have a couple of friends that are flat earthers. It drives me crazy. They're total nonsense that they speak. I am not a scientist by any means, but I am heavy on reading about space, watching the documentaries. I have massive respect for the scientific community, and these guys and the rest of the flat earthers are just, in my opinion, totally disrespectful and claim that they are lying, which is wrong. They call astronauts actors who are paid to lie, and that boils my blood because these guys who barely hold down jobs and do nothing to talk about astronauts like, like that, I don't know where they get off. I decided to give them a chance to put their money where their mouth is for once, and the only way I could do that is sending a high-ranking flat earther into space. He says, I've contacted Elon Musk and Richard Branson's team, trying to get their support on it, waiting for a reply. I really want to get this off the ground. Yeah, let's see. That's fine. The rest of it's all, all garbage. But he says, I really want to get this off the ground. So if you want to, you know, donate to sending a flat earther off into space, unfortunately not a one-way trip, there is that. Alrighty, up next is a very cool one. One that I did watch. I'm sorry, I know I say I won't watch videos before they do the episode, but I was like, I gotta see this video. I gotta see if this video is worth putting up there or if it's just TikTok nonsense. Because there's a lot of cool paranormal stuff happening on TikTok, which means that yes, I gotta I gotta start TikToking. I don't I didn't wanna be that, you know, that old white guy on TikTok, but guess what? I'm gonna be. But anyhow, I wanted to see if this was legit before I put it on the podcast. And it's pretty fucking cool. It is pretty fucking cool. Alrighty, so I guess I'm just gonna play the video. I think it's I think it's a self-explanatory video. Let's see. 
Okay. Sorry, it's not exactly self-explanatory. So this knocking is coming from somewhere in this guy's flat. He's sleeping on the couch or lying on the couch. I think he's sleeping on the couch. It looks like it's in the middle of the night. There's a night vision camera on there. And he gets up annoyed and trying to figure out, you know, where's the knocking? Is someone, you know, knocking on the door or whatever? Hence the knocking noise you'll hear now. All right, so he's slowly getting up like, what the crap is going on? Now, I'm not saying this is legit, but if it's fake, good on you because it's creepy as hell. And and you made me watch the whole three-minute video. So we're already a minute into the four-minute. Actually, it's four-minute video. We're already a minute into it. So he goes around the corner. He's looking around, trying to figure out where this noise is coming from. She was my wife. Just in case you didn't hear that, that was Alexa saying, she was my wife. And the guy immediately comes back around the corner like, the fuck? I'm going to rewind that. I want you to hear that. She was my wife. Who was your wife? Who was your wife? You took her from me. I didn't take anyone. Who? Tell me, tell me who you want. You've got the wrong person. While he said that, over his corner, it got like pitch black too. Again. I found her here. Oh wait, hold on, I'm gonna rewind it because I don't want you to miss anything. But while he was saying that, over his shoulder, it gets like pitch black for a second as well. And people are like, ooh, it's a ghost coming at him. I don't know if that's the case, but it is interesting that he got pitch black over his shoulder. All right, I'm going to rewind a little bit and play again. I found her here. I found her. Who? Who have you found? Use that device again. Tell me who. Tell me your name. My wife. My wife. Your wife isn't here. Can you tell me what your wife is called? Can you tell me her name? Can you tell me your wife's name? Do you think your wife is Stacey? It's almost over. He walks back around the corner. <laughs> and he unplugs Alexa, as you rightly, rightfully should. How creepy is that? Also, I gotta say, oh no, I didn't mean you, Alexa. You know, you're good. Please don't stop. Just stop. No, yeah. We're all good. Okay, good. Whew. Almost pissed off my own Alexa. Um, I, I didn't know that it's almost to me, it's, tell me what you think. Does it sound like Alexa has like, like a slight accent in this video, which makes me go, do they do that? Do they give Alexa an accent, like a UK accent or wherever this guy's from some part of the UK, Ireland, Scotland, whatever. Um, cause it's slight, it had a slight accent, right? Do they do that? Is this proof that it's a fake 
look, whether it's a fake or not, it's damn entertaining to watch. Um, really creepy as hell. And again, I'll throw it onto the, uh, the Facebook fan page so you guys can tell me what you think. But, but good on you, man. Like, the middle of the night, getting woke up, having the, the wherewithal to be from this week's episode. There you go. Now you know exactly when I'm recording this episode. Um, like, whether it's real or fake, it was good on you. It's entertaining as hell. But uh, spooky. I, I didn't like the laugh at the end. I could handle pretty much the rest of it. Look, when Alexa sparks up, when my thing, I'm not going to say that name again, when my thing sparks off for, like, at random while I'm, like, watching TV or maybe even just, like, sitting there, like, lying in bed or whatever, it's startling as hell. And that guy handled it like a champ because he started like, you know, all right, fine. You want to, your wife. All right. Who's your wife? And he obviously must be either a ghost hunter or a fan of ghost hunting shows because he handled it like a fucking champ and still it tar- until it started teeing him. And I would have done the same thing as him. I'd be like, nope, unplug. You had your chance. Don't teehee me. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Paranormal Almanac. We are back on this one. I really, really wanted to do an episode about one cryptid. Just focus on one cryptid, but not just any cryptid, a lesser known cryptid. So I don't know. Let's see if I can do an episode on just one bizarre cryptid. Let's see how long this episode is. And if it's long enough for me to go, yeah, screw it. I'll put it out. Or if it's going to at the, you know, at the end of it, I look at back at the, the total time and I go, crap, I need to do more. I don't know. This is, a, this is an experiment for me and for you. I think it's only going to be a t- about the Alba Twitch. So I'm just going to focus on that for right now. We'll see what happens at the end of it. If I get to the end of it and I have to, you know, be like Kurt here, I failed. So here's another cryptid. But hopefully that won't happen. I want to talk about the Alba Twitch. My hope is that right now, most, if not all of you, are like, the what? Yeah. The Alba Twitch. From everything I can find, it's only been spotted in Pennsylvania. So it's a very limited, I mean, it's got a lot of area, but still, it's limited to one state. Now, if that name isn't weird enough, the Alba Twitch is mostly seen in Chickie's Rock and Chickie's Ridge. All right, seriously. If someone wrote this on the internet like forever, forever ago to like fuck with future Kurt, good job. You got me. I'm going to talk about the Alba Twitch, but no. From everything that I can find on multiple sites, this Alba Twitch is real, and it is mostly seen in Chickie's Rock and Chickie's Ridge. And it isn't, like, (laughs) the only thing I can, like, when I first was reading about the Alba Twitch, I was like, man, this is like some four loco-induced MySpace nightmare you know, like the, some kid was like, oh, you got the Slender Man? And he was like, you know, all, all hopped up on four locos. He's like, the Alba Twitch, which could mean and blah, blah, blah. Chickie's Rock and Chickie's Ridge. No, it's it has origins that go back to the Native American tribe that I'm going to get wrong, even though I've tried to say it a billion times. The Susquehannock tribe. If I said it wrong, I totally apologize. These origins for the Alba Twitch go back to them. And all of the neighboring tribes in that area. In fact, a lot of people say, even though I couldn't find a photo of it or, you know, a drawing of it or whatever, that the Susquehannock tribe, Susquehannock tribe, actually had the Alba Twitch on their shield. A, a drawing of or an image of it because it was such a fierce thing. So it was on their shields that they carried. But again, I can't prove that. So grain of salt that. But according to the internet... The name Albatwitch is from Dutch-German Pennsylvanians, and it means either escaping elf or apple snitch or apple snitcher. Now, I'll fully admit I don't know Pennsylvania Dutch. But Google Translate says that Albatwitch doesn't mean shit. So if I wanted to say escaping elf, like it says it does in Pennsylvania Dutch, it would be... Ant Snappende Elf. But then I found a different site that had a German breakdown of the word Albatwitch. 
like old timey kind of word albatwitch uh, breakdown. There is a German word alb, a l b, which means small creature that sits on one's chest while one sleeps, and so basically like you know like the uh, the 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 uh, sleep paralysis demon, and entwiken, which means escape. So some people are saying it means escape elf or elf escape. Look, basically what I'm saying is I'm not going to say Alba Twitch means anything, but just run with what everyone else is saying on the topic because, again, I don't speak Pennsylvania Dutch. I am not, I am not Amish. Um, all right, I did find that, like I said earlier, there was a bunch of local tribes that reported about the Alba Twitch to the early settlers. Like when the early settlers came in, they were like, hey, man, there's these things around here. They're tiny. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what they look like in a minute. But there's these things around here that are really aggressive. They said the creatures were said to make their presence known by making a sound like a cracking whip, but mainly lived in the trees. That's right, up in the trees and in the shadows of the forest. They said the creatures were able to communicate over long distances by smacking flat rocks together. That should give you some idea what these things look like. All right, the Arapaho and Cheyenne tribes called the hairy little people Hesa Sidi Ahi. Hesa Sidi Ahi. And what they said was, if you see the Hesa Sidi Ahi, run. Because they have superhuman strength and are very aggressive. The Shoshani tribe called them the Namiragar. And they said that they had the power to turn invisible or are hard to see because of how fast they are. The Chippewa called them the Puckwudgies, but I will say that the description doesn't quite match the Alba Twitch, so I don't know if that's technically part of it. The Algonquin told tales of a small, hairy hominid, guess what, they're hairy, uh, which they called the, oh, I'm going to get this one wrong as well, the Magamuwisus, Magamuwisus. Now, supposedly, no matter what version you called them, the Alba Twitch battled, go ahead, go ahead, go check it out. The, the Albatwitch battled local tribes, and the Crow tribes called them Narumbe and battled them all the time. So, what does an escaping elf, apple-snitching, little aggressive fucker look like? Well, like a little Bigfoot. Kind of like a little Bigfoot. Hold on a second. I can put my coat on because it is chilly in here this morning. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's basically like a little Bigfoot. Yep, a hairy, four-foot, three to five-foot, but usually around four-foot tall, furry person with yellow eyes, but they have a different looking face than Bigfoot. The Albatwitch have more like, have like a neck, like a skinnier human-like neck than like the Bigfoot have, but they're also not really monkey or chimpanzee looking. They're slightly chimpanzee looking, but with a, like, like cross a chimpanzee with like a humid and throw a little Ewok in there. You know, they're kind of, they're kind of funky looking. They're very different looking, though, than the typical Sasquatch. Um, I'll say it later, but I'll throw it in here right now. It's also said by pretty much every one of these tribes that the Alba Twitch stayed away from Sasquatch. So I don't know what that means. All right, so the first settlers of Alba Twitch happened um, in like the 17, late 1700s, early 1800s. And not long after they settled in the area, even though they were told about them by the Local Native American tribes, like they warned them about Albatwitch. No surprise, settlers didn't listen. Then, in the late 1800s, there was a trolley that brought people to Chickie's Rock for like picnicking. So you got in the trolley, you go up through the woods, you end up at this rock. It's really nice, really pretty. You can see all the, you know, the ravine and everything. So people would go up there in their little 1800s doodads, and they'd go up in the, in the trolleys. But when they returned down to where the trolley started from, quote-unquote, civilization, they told stories of creatures four to five feet tall with reddish-brown or black hair that would come down from the trees and steal their apples. They would eat the apples and then throw the cores at the picnickers. All right, I kind of like the Alba Twitches already. Then, on August 9th, 1896, the trolley actually derailed going off a 30-foot embankment, killing six people, injuring 68, and pretty much ended like, you know, the picnics to Chickie's Rock for that time anyway. Now, they're not saying that the Albatwitch did this. There's no proof 
ever that the Albatwitch caused the trolley to derail, despite what a couple of sites insinuate. Now, stories started dying down, though, because people weren't going up there all the time. But in the 50s through the 70s, sightings started back up again because people started going back up to Chickie's Rock to hang out. Probably make out because, you know, it was the 50s. Those kids in the 50s, they all they wanted to do was, you know, drive their, their hot rods up to make out point and, and just start fucking. But anyhow, so the 70s, 50s through the 70s, sightings started to pick up again. Now, there's a vague report about the sight of a hairy hominid or humanoid, not a hominid, hairy humanoid that came from Lancaster in 1973. Lancaster is about 10 miles east of Columbia, so around the same area. Then another one came from the town of North Anvil, which is about 20 miles to the north the same year. So they start sightings start popping up around Chickie's Rock, around the area, right around the early 70s. Now, let me tell you, or let me play for you, a guy that knows what he's talking about that has had some sightings. But it's going to go into, yeah, it's going to go right into a stupid commercial that I don't want to play. All right, wait for this commercial to end. Okay, let's turn this up. Hello, play, please. please Around play. Columbia and even as All right, far as not yet. County. Rivera of the Columbia Historic Preservation Society recalls a few reports in his lifetime. A good friend of mine for years, a teenager, told us that him and his brother were playing up in the woods and they were playing hide-and-go-seek and all of a sudden got pinned to the tree. He's 10 years old. Pinned to the tree, he was face-to-face -face with a creature. I pinned him against a tree, he screamed from his brother, his brother comes screaming, and the creature ran away. The Columbia News, which ran six days a week, back in the 1980s. I remember up at the high school, we remember the police blocking the streets to get up in the lower hill that a visitor saw a hairy creature, uh, which scared him. So why were the police protecting that road? Why didn't they let anybody up in the lower hill gardens at that time? And if I remember, it was a week to two weeks that they wouldn't let anybody up there until they investigated this thing. Again, it's only 11. All right, so. That's, that's straight from a person who witnessed it or his friends witnessed it as a kid. Then in September of 1978, on Route 372 West near Normanwood Bridge, a woman was driving along the road and she saw a creature run across the road in front of her car. She would describe the creature as being about five foot tall with brown wavy hair and seemingly bipedal. She watched as it drove, uh, she watched as she drove past the creature. It continued to run up an embankment and disappeared from sight. In the 1980s, in Columbia, another Albatwitch sighting happened when a 10-year-old boy and his brother were hiking in the woods around Laurel Hill Cemetery. Uh, la -ta -ta. That's the story that we... Oh, I'm sorry. That's the story that we just listened to. So, that's the, so that was in the 80s. That's the story we just listened to. Then, in 2000, on Pinkerton Road near Mount Joy, a witness encountered, uh, while driving to work with her two co-workers, a furry figure on the road in front of them. They initially thought it was a deer, but began to slow down their vehicle. As they peered out, they realized what they were looking at was not a deer, but a four to five foot tall, thin, black, hairy creature crossing the road. They said that they thought that the creature had been perfectly matched the same creature that uh, they'd been reported a couple years earlier, Albatwitch. Now, this next one. Let me preface this by saying this next one is directly from the internet. As you know, I don't like to read directly from the internet. I like to find the uh, the reports and and write them out. But it's a it's it's a site talking about this guy named Rick's experience that I just had to keep because of the details. Well, you know what? You'll see. Just you'll you'll see why in a second why I didn't do my normal due diligence of finding the facts and just reporting the facts and not flourishing them but I had to on this one. In February of 2002 at 6 a.m., Bigfoot investigator, and Kurt here, I assume not Bigfoot shooter, Rick Fisher, was driving along Route 23 near Marietta. As he neared Kinderhook Road, which is about two miles from Chickie's Rock, Chickie's Rock, he noticed a dark figure he thought dressed all in black walking in the middle of the road, which, in case you didn't know, is a dumb thing to do. Kurt here, that's a dumb thing to do. Don't walk in all in black in the middle of the road. As he got closer... 
He wondered why someone would be walking in the woods in the middle of the road in darkness and began to slow down. Uh, let's see. He wondered why someone in the middle of the woods would slow down. As Rick drew closer to the figure, he could tell that the figure walking in front of his car was the size of a child, which made him even more concerned, as he wondered why a child would be out on the road at, the, at that time of day. Kurt here, let me finish his thought. Why was a child in the middle of the road, dressed in black, walking in the darkness? Back to them. Rick was practically crawling, Rick practically crawling as he followed the figure, and concerned for the child, he decided to try and get its attention. So he proceeded to reach over and turn on the high beams. Kurt here. His hand slid from the steering wheel over to the stalk with the headlight switch on it. His masculine hands, rough from his work of investigating Bigfoots, gripped the stalk firmly, manly, the cold metal stick in his hot hands. Unlike his own manhood, Rick pulled back firmly, knowingly, longing for the headlights to brighten, knowing full well it was he who made that happen, he who had the godlike control over the sun itself. His headlights searched through the night, cutting through it like a woman cuts through a Viennetta ice cream, which is the most decadent of desserts. All right, back to him. It's, it's really that bad. He hit the high beams to try and get the child to turn around and understand why it was out during that time of the day. The figure noticed the now blinding lights behind it, and just as he expected, proceeded to turn around. But as it showed itself to Rick in the glow of his headlights, Rick could tell the figure was not human. Uh-oh, which one is it? Is it this one? Rick could see in front of him a black, hair-covered creature, about three feet tall, and seemingly not distressed by his high beams. All right, I'm cutting in again. The fur was long and, long and luxurious. It flowed in the night as the creature turned its head, like a shampoo commercial from Rick's distant past. All right, back to Rick. Rick felt that what he saw at that moment was, in his experience, a kind of Bigfoot, and said in an interview with Linda Godfrey, ah, oh, Kurt here, Linda Godfrey just died um, just very recently, in the past couple of weeks, so it's sad. He said to, to Linda, my first thought was, this must be a skinny one. It walked like a human, not ape-like, the arms were longer, and it was swinging its arms. As he stared at the creature, its eyes glowed a brilliant yellow, and as he watched in total amazement, something particularly bizarre happened. The creature disappeared. The creature simply popped out of existence, leaving the stunned motorist behind on the road. Rick pulled his vehicle off to the side of the road, sitting there shaking in absolute disbelief at what he had just witnessed. He began to get out of his vehicle to investigate the area, but then a sinister thought dawned on him. If this creature could seemingly wink itself out of existence, then it could just as easily rematerialize someplace else, like right next to him or in the back of in the back seat of his car. Seeing the potential paranormal danger he was in, Rick hopped back into his car. <laughs> I'm sorry, that potential paranormal danger that's a great title. Rick hopped back into his car and proceeded to drive back home. Kurt again. Rick left the safety of his metallic beast and put his hands in his pockets, rummaging for his house keys, but brushing up against something else. Rick. His hand knew instinctively where to go, what to do, what Rick really wanted. The comfort of his manhood. Flustered, Rick looked around to make sure no one saw him, his hand still in his pocket. His neighbor Ed was standing on his porch, waving to Rick. Rick knew to wave back would mean taking his hand out of his pocket. And Rick knew deep down in his heart that that couldn't happen. Okay, back to the story. Uh, he did not tell anyone of his sightings for some time, but ultimately came forward. As with most experiences, his story was completely bashed by skeptics. And so he went searching for more eyewitnesses as a way to corroborate his story, that a creature like that did exist. What he saw did happen. When discussing his sightings to a colleague... His friend would go and tell him how he met someone who saw the same type of creature just a couple of miles down the road from where Rick did. Rick was intrigued. So Rick went and proceeded to interview the witness. See what I mean? That's just a great fucking story. All right, here's some more, but from Rick himself and not some, like, Rick Albatwitch fanfic writer. Um, here's what Rick actually wrote. <laughs> a stick thing, a stick thing. Thin figure, about five feet tall, covered in hair, stood in the road. 
When, when I flipped my high beams on to get a better look, the hairy figure turned, and I could see two yellow eyes staring back at me. Then the figure vanished right there in the middle of the road. That's it. That's what his report was. So this entire amazing story was from two lines. It's fucking amazing. Like, whoever wrote that, like, good on you. But also, like, take a breather, man. Like, you, you put way too much detail into it. Um, anyhow, I had to read it verbatim just because I, I was... I was just in awe of it. And then I had to add, you know, add my own sexy turn or twist to it as well. Because, you know, frankly, that's what the world wanted. The world wants Rick and the Alba Twitch to fuck, is what I'm saying. All righty. So um, there are more sightings. They're not nearly as, as sexy as these as that one. But uh, 2002, about two miles from Rick's sighting, a group of friends were driving on Pinkerton Road, which is a place where a lot of the 2002 sightings seem to happen around. The Pinkerton Road in 2002 seemed to be like the sweet spot for the Alba Twitch. And they saw a thin hair-covered creature wander in front of their car. Then in 2002, there were five more sightings all around that same area. May 2005, a witness reported encountering an Alba Twitch near the same location, but no other details of the encounter were kind of reported other than, you know, a hairy creature that matched the Alba Twitch sightings. Another similar undated sighting took place on Route 23 west near Marietta Pike between Columbia and Marietta. Marietta Pike, sorry. The witness to this sighting saw a small hairy creature moving incredibly fast across the road and said that it also had happened many years ago as well in the same uh, stretch of road. Then, another Pinkerton Road sighting near Mount Joy, unspecified date, early 2000s. Young woman was driving home at night, saw a brown Small, brown, hairy creature crossing the road. The witness was so scared by the creature that she saw that she started crying and was afraid to go past the creature. She swerved around the creature, proceeded to drive straight home. She got home, told her family. No one believed her. July 18th, uh, 2008, a woman was driving on Route 264, about three miles outside of Red Lion in York County. As she was driving along near an open field, she noticed something dark running through the open grass. She pulled over to get a better look. She said she saw a creature about four feet tall, covered in dark gray, sparse hair. The creature's head was smaller than that of a similar, similarly tall human child, she said, but it was running bipedally. The creature would run for a distance, then stop dead in its tracks, then would look around. It did this several times before running off into a patch of woodlands. 2010, another Pinkerton road sighting happened. A husband and wife were driving home when they noticed a small, four-foot-tall, brown-haired creature cross the road in front of their car. Seeing the strange creature, they slowed their car down to a crawl, proceeded to watch the creature crouch down beside a bush, kind of like hiding from them. They said it was not a known animal. What I think is interesting, though, is it's not the same creature, obviously, because some people are seeing reddish-brown. Some are seeing her black. Some are seeing her gray-haired. Some are seeing brown-haired. So it's definitely more than one Alba Twitch. Next, from 2001, 2002. Oh, I get it. Yeah, that's right. This one, this one was, this one's reported on a bunch of different sites, and depending on where you get your info, it's either 2001, 2002, or 2012. A witness, her two sisters, and her friend spent an entire summer at a campsite in Bainbridge in a camper which is easily reached by traveling an old wooden trail, which they frequently use to get such provisions like food and beer, all that fun stuff. One day, the witness found herself alone at the camp. Her friend called her and said he was having a cookout in Bainbridge and said, why don't you come out and get something? So she walked the old road, wooded path, to Bainbridge to the cookout. She gets to, she gets to the cookout, she eats, and she goes, I'm going to leave early because I have to walk back to the campsite, so she wanted to leave relatively early. So it was dusk. She was walking the old trail along the Susquehanna, Susquehanna, Susquehanna River back to camp, which is uh, the Susquehanna River was about 30 yards to her left. 30 yards to her right was an old set of railroad tracks. I'm assuming this is that, like, dun-dun-dun moment of, oh, my God, it's the trolley tracks. She noticed some movement coming from the river. She saw a, quote, kid Bigfoot, about four foot tall with dark hair from head to foot. Creature came running up them from the woods to and uh, right onto the trail 15 feet in front of her. She said she froze watching the creature. The creature seemed to be getting away from, quote, something and proceeded to run off the trail, jumping over several tall bushes and over the railroad tracks before disappearing into the woods. 
Uh, let's see. There's other sightings near Bainbridge. They are pretty much scattered throughout the years, all in the mid-2000s, all in the 2000s, I should say. One sighting occurred at Nisley Vineyard. Witness was driving by the vineyard at early dawn, noticed a small dark creature crouched in one of the fields. The witness attempted to get a better look at the creature, and as he turned his car around to try and see the creature again, saw the creature leap up and and run bipedally back into the nearby woods. On another occasion, a witness driving between Marietta and Bainbridge saw a small hairy creature cross the road at night. Another sighting near Chickie's Rock. Two young men out for a drive late one night were driving on Prospect Road. They were about to drive through an underpass when a strange creature dropped down from above the underpass. So that'd be the overpass. Uh, They stopped their car and watched a small furry creature run off into the woods, seemingly chasing a small animal, possibly a rabbit. January 29th, 2018, coyote hunter hunting in the Rapirian Bog uh, Gameland area. He noticed a coyote exiting near the end of a hunting blind uh, behind a clearing which was littered with deer and small animal bones. He approached the blind and saw a small, hairy figure moving on the ground between the trees. The creature appeared to be similar to a female chimpanzee, he thought. Um, He said not only did it walk bipedally, but also seemed to be quote-unquote cloaked. The figure was a bizarre blob of black and white. He said there was a noticeable shape underneath it. The man watched the creature move away from him. He couldn't say whether it blended with the forest or was different or cloaked. He saw it again in spring of the same year. This time, the creature moved down from the top of the tree. The creature once again appeared to be cloaked, proceeded to climb from the tree to the ground. And because of these uh, these sightings, he stopped being a coyote hunter, or maybe he still is, but he began the Albatwitch Zoological Survey. The what? Yep. At this point, let me read some of the stuff from the Albatwitch Zoological Survey. The Albatwitch Zoological Survey focuses primarily on finding both fossil evidence of the ape as well as attempting to learn as much as possible about the creature. Um... They seek to explain the anomalous behaviors and effects that the creature has with already established science. That's cool. I like that. Uh, they have several hypotheses, such as the Albatwitch seemingly has a symbiotic relationship with the eastern coyotes of the region as to the possibly cooperative hunt for prey based on what the founder seemed to witness at both of his sightings. They uh, compare this behavior to the Ethiopian wolves and the grazing Gelda monkey herds. They have a, the group has a scientific name for the Albatwitch called the Pan Chikla Spnav. Just go with Albatwitch, it's much better. As well as currently conducting paleoanthropological digs for fossil evidence of the species in the area. They say that the creature seems to be cloaked, um, but they call it capable of undulating, manipulating its fur with pilo erection, i.e. the phenomenon of raising the hackles, not only on its back between the shoulders like many canids do, or canids do, like dogs do, but on all of its bodily fur. So they think that because of this pilo erection, there's a word for the day, um, it's a form of motion dazzle that to human eyes appears as alternating black and white contrast, in effect a shadowy asynchronous zigzag that obscures the albatwitch silhouette but does not obliterate observation of its bodily protuberance or lack thereof. It's the fucking predators, what they're saying. Uh, The albatwitch cloaking cloaking camouflage creates a shadowy but ethereal image that captivates and engages the human brain into visual staring that only ends when the images disappear into the forest, leaving the observer in a state of befuddled bewilderment as to the nature of the observation. Wow, that's going big into it. Um, let's see, commenters have described the movement of Albatwitch in the forest as gliding or walking on air, which they contribute to the human's brain attempt to classify the motion of the Albatwitch and the mode of movement categorically familiar to the human brain. Good Lord. It's cloaking. They're trying to say, yeah, look, this thing's got cloaking, but it's not like, you know, it's not like Predator where it goes, you know, it just disappears except you can see the outline. No, it's actually the fur moving and the way that the fur moves kind of freaks out your brain because your brain doesn't know what to make of it and basically cloaks it. Your brain is what's cloaking it. It's not that the creature is actually, you know, magical or has some kind of like Harry Potter cloak. Whew, that is a lot. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Let's continue on. So 
the albatwitch.org site has a lot going on. Um, it has albatwitch 3D bone and tooth banks on a on one thing. There's a legal notice, a lot of legal notices about the albatwitch. Holy crap. The, the albatwitch has a great attorney. Um, they're talking about the albatwitch disarticulated skeleton. If I see an albatwitch, what should I do? All right, let's click on that one. First, email your sighting reports to operations at albatwitch.org. Um, it will consider your report based on survey's criteria. If deemed credible, the survey could contact you with a proposal for buying exclusive rights to your story. So it doesn't really tell you what to do if you see it. It's just basically saying, hey, did you see one? Let, let, we want to know. Let, let us know about it. Are there predatory bears, predatory bears along Lehigh Path? The soul of an ape. A status report on the Albatwitch. The first paleoanthropological dig for the Albatwitch fossils. Do you believe that the Albatwitch are a new species of great ape? I mean, it's just constant. But most of them, actually not most of them, all of them except for one were all written in 2020. So they haven't really updated this much since 2020. Uh, the only one that's been updated since 2020 is the attorney's notes. Again, Albatwitch has got a great, great attorney. Um... Let's see. I'm going to read about the soul of the ape real quick. Um, so if you click on the soul of the ape, it just says, September 24th, 2020, the soul of the ape. No man can ever attain to anywhere near a true conception of the subconscious in man who does not know the primates under natural conditions. What? Ugh. All right, I'm done with you. Um, so yeah, there's a website you can go. It's got a whole lot to say about the Albatwitch. Um it does mention again, I said it earlier, I told you I was going to say it again, that the Albatwitch and the Bigfoot are never seen together. The, again, grain of salt time, the Native American tribes have said that the Albatwitch and the Bigfoot used to fight all the time or still currently fight all the time. So they have their own patches of land. I couldn't find anything to prove that, but, you know, that's what they said. Then... Again, grain of salt, there are newspaper articles dating back 125 years that describe campers going out in the woods to albatwitch hunt. I couldn't find one of those. And I love finding old newspaper articles about cryptids. Now, there are articles from that area about, like, Bigfoot and Sasquatch and, you know, whatever name they wanted to call a Bigfoot, a hairy man, whatever they wanted to call. Yeah, there are, but I couldn't find anything that said, like, hey, let's go on an albatwitch hunt. There are... Hairy man hunts, but that's talking about Bigfoot. So again, it's big grain of salt, but people are saying that there are, or websites are saying that there are newspaper articles about the Albatwitch that go back 125 years. Going back even further, saying that the Albatwitch looking creatures were painted again on the shields of the Susquehanna uh, Indians, Native Americans. Although I haven't been able to find that again. Almost everybody says that it's like they're, it's like the main Albatwitch fact that they, they like to chuck apples at people and they used to be on the shields of the local Native American tribes, but I couldn't find anything about that. Um, there is something cool, though. Every year since 2014, organizers in Colombia put together Albatwitch Day celebrations, and they sound fun. It just happened in October, this this latest one, so you're going to have to wait till next year. But... Um, it sounds fun. Like, I want to go to an Albatwitch Day. Uh, let's see. It was, uh, let me go to albatwitchday.com. That's the way to go. Saturday, October 8th. Oh, October 8th. There you go. 2022. Event 11 to 5. Haunted Trolley Tour. That already you got me. I, that sounds freaking awesome. But they got more. You've got, um, there's a canoe mobile. There's a event. There's a really cool event poster, like really cool. There's a music lineup. There's lectures. There's haunted trolley tour. There's authors. There's vendors. There is a lot of stuff. They also have the Columbia Market House Dungeon Tour. Um, I don't even know what the hell that is, but holy shit, yeah. Huh. Um, but there's like a ton of cool stuff to do. So if you're in the area, I'd say go to this freaking Alba Twitch Day. Get me a shirt. Do they have shirts? What kind of merch do they have? Lectures, music, vendors, media, trolley tours, family, authors, food, information, more. Let's see more. Hoodies and tees. Oh, they got a pretty freaking cool. Oh, it's sold out? You sons of bitches. Uh, that one's sold out. What? How about you have any shirts? Okay, so they do have a couple of shirts. Alba Twitch 2020 day. 
eh, it's not as cool. It's just a hand holding an apple. But I might have to buy a shirt. I'm going to buy a shirt. I'm going to buy an Albatwitch shirt. i got to bookmark this. But uh, there you go. I don't know how long this episode is because I had a, I had a neighbor call me in, uh, right towards the beginning of there. That's why I went away for a second and then came back during Paranormal News. Um, so I had to stop it and then restart it. But I'm guessing, looking at this, it's pretty much a full episode. I mean, it's free. There's, not, there's nothing saying it's got to be at least an hour long. However long this is, it's a full episode. Here you go. There's your full episode about a cryptid that I wanted to talk about last episode, but that got derailed. Um, so I did it now. So here you go. This is what I was. This is what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about a fun, sexy Alba Twitch story right in the middle of this episode, but a fun cryptid that I really didn't know about that is has been seen for pretty much ever. The Native Americans through the settlers through today. So Alba Twitch, huh? That's kind of cool. I love finding out about new crazy cryptids. You know what I got to find? I wonder if I can find an Alba Twitch patch because I would love to add an Alba Twitch to my jacket. I'm going to have to look for that after this episode. But there you go. Once again, um, crazy cool local cryptids. That's the kind of stuff that I really like. So if you have a local cryptid in your area that, you know, like, hey, Kurt's never brought up the the spiddly punk. You know, the spiddly punk is cool. It's only uh, found in uh, Tennessee. Like, tell me about it. And if it's real, I'll do an episode about it. Um, Because I like these kinds of things. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvik, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. Deep, 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 deep,